Now I will introduce today's guest. What do beef, healthcare, electronic cars, and horse racing have in common? Whatever it is, I'm certain that more than a few wannabe Frank Stronics went feverishly running to their discount brokerages, having heard that that's where today's guest will be turning his attention. It's arguable that the Stronic brand is at least as recognizable as the corporate brand he built from the ground up and passed along to capable hands just a few days ago. With hugely successful global operations, Magna International, one of the world's largest and most diversified suppliers of automotive components, systems, and modules, has remained in the public spotlight as much for its consistently strong performance as for the dynamic and passionate leadership of Frank Stronach, its founder and honorary chairman. His hands-on direct management style and diverse entrepreneurial pursuits have captured the imagination of Canadians from all walks of life. A billionaire entrepreneur and deeply engaged global citizen, Mr. Stronach was a 22-year-old tool-and-die apprentice when he left his war-torn homeland of Austria 57 years ago with a one-way boat ticket and a few dollars to his name. His knack for business set in early, and it didn't take long before he saw fit to launch his first uh, enterprise. In 1957, he started his own tool-and-die business with the help of a friend. In 1959, the business acquired its first auto parts contract from General Motors. The business grew over the decades, and 50 years later, slightly longer than the average Canadian's career, Magna International's empire employs 50,000 worldwide with sales of $14 billion. Mr. Stronach's leadership has not been limited to the boardroom. He has served on many corporate, government, and university boards and has provided assistance to a wide array of charitable and community service organizations. His leadership and entrepreneurship have been uh, recognized nationally and internationally. He's been named Business Leader of the Year by the Ivy School of Business and Entrepreneur of the Year by the University of Michigan. He is, uh, Mr. Stronach has been inducted into the Canadian Business Hall of Fame and the Canadian Manufacturing Hall of Fame. He is a recipient of the Order of Canada and last year received the Gold Star Award, the highest civilian honour given by the country of his birth. The list of honours literally goes on and on. I understand Mr. Stronach has a thing or two to say on the topic of productivity today. So I think the best use of my time would be to hand over the podium. So ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Mr. Frank Stronach to our podium. Thank you, Nick, for your nice remarks. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm delighted and honored to be able to say a few things about the Canadian, about uh, the world. And uh, before I give you my impression, as I will see the future, I like to uh, sidetrack you just a little bit. 
this uh, Canadian seal was drifting down uh, from the east coast down to Boston, uh, gets on land, walks on the bar, sits down on the bar stool. The bartender asks him, what shall it be? He said, anything but a Canadian club. <laughs> I, I hope I haven't offended anyone. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if I wouldn't think very highly of this great club. And, but we had a, we had a, it took a very long time till he could arrive on, on the right day. And I waited and waited, and I, I just wanted to, I wanted to be on Friday the 13th. That's my lucky day. So anyway, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, I, I usually do say uh, the priorities are, that's, I think we all have to sort that the priorities that's in private life or in business, so that's very important. Uh, for me, it always been a priority, and uh, many years ago, I've given a lot of lectures in universities, and they were always taught the students, the success of life can only be measured, the degree of happiness you reach. But I said at the same time, but let you tell me, let, let me tell you from my experience, it's a lot easier to be happy if you got some monies. <laughs> the, the smart students always said, well, how can we make some monies? So I said, look, when you be around your 20s, you don't really know yourself. Experiment a little bit. In the final analysis, do something what you enjoy, what you like to do. And if, you like to, if somebody likes to do something, then you're going to be good. If you put in that extra effort, you could be one of the best, whatever the field might be. And when we be one of the best, then money is always a byproduct. So you've got to see uh, money should always be a byproduct. But at the same time, I taught the students... You people are very fortunate that you have a chance to study. You have a right to utilize that knowledge you accumulate for your own benefit. But you must never, ever forget a portion of that knowledge and richness should also flow to society. Because in the final analysis, a society is made up of people, right? Society establishes rules. The rules are made by people and also changed by people. So we always must look down the road. Are the rules are still adequate? You know, should we change them? We go to some very trying times. Uh, there is a great trend towards uh, global economies. And there, there is now global economies. That means we... We have to compete on a global basis. And to be competitive, uh, you need the best circumstances, especially, on the, on the, on the, on the global, especially in a global economy. Uh, but that I mean, uh, let me give you one ex example. Uh, you could have a factory. The workers in the hall can work as hard as anything. But if the administration up front in the offices is too high, that factory will not be competitive. So the question is, we've got to ask ourselves constantly what we've got to do to be efficient, what we've got to do to compete. And uh, 
as another example, a few years ago, I, I called the president of the Canadian Auto Workers. I think most of you, most of you know him, uh, Buzz Hargrove. I said to Buzz, we really should sit down and, and talk about what we're going to do, you know, in order to, uh, in order to uh, uh, be competitive. So we sat down and I said to Buzz, look, uh, if we leave things the way they are, there won't be no jobs. I said, Buzz, it shouldn't be that difficult to put on one piece of paper what's important for the workers and on another piece of paper what's important for business. And I said, we will call that a framework of fairness based on social justice. So uh, luckily, a couple of years later, we did sign an agreement, quite, cons- quite different from the normal agreement, and I'm hopeful that that would lead for further betterment. And uh, because when you have confrontational environments, there's no way, there's no way you can be competitive. So, we, so business has to change, and unions have to change. I also want to point out, in a civilized society, no segment should be made the scapegoat. The builders of a society are governments, business, unions, academia, and media. Those are the basic pillars. So if things don't quite function the way they should be, we can't just point out somebody. We can't say, well, it's all the bureaucrats' fault, because in a free society, every person must have the right to find jobs, whatever they, at the time, are available. But my great concern is that we, that we go in a way from a real economy to a financial economy. And that, as you just, it's so recently, this is when, it's, when the whole world economically exploded, you know, 2008. And the worrisome part about this is, I haven't seen any leaders stood up yet and said, this is the reason why we had such a great problem. And this is what we got to do in order to prevent that a problem like that will never occur. So that is very worrisome. So uh, another thing which I have great concern with is we becoming so institutionalized. We're killing entrepreneurship. You take, for example, uh, the pension funds. When I got an offer, and I had reason to sell it, maybe that's for another day. Uh, uh, so uh, when I accepted the offer and, we, and it was uh, made public, the shares jumped about 50 or 60 percent, you know, 85%, 90% of the shareholders voted for it. And all of a sudden, some of the pension funds, which practically no shares and no money is invested, said, that isn't right. 
that the astronaut gets too much monies. But they never said, in order when I got the multiple shares, I gave up 20% of my assets. That's why the shareholders voted for that. Basically, I had an agreement with the shareholders. But being so institutionalized now, it's more and more difficult. It's every time you got to go to to lawsuits, to, uh, you know. So, uh, and when you kind of think of the pension funds, they want to teach that a company's corporate governance. They have the worst corporate governments there is. Their shareholders, their stakeholders have no say. Who is the board of directors? Imagine that. In over and above, I strongly believe you should never gamble with the pension monies, the pension funds set aside for pensions for the workers. You should not gamble. It could be very easily that government bonds could be created, which where we be up, where you know where workers are absolutely sure their money is on hand, you know when they retire. So this is, it's, 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 we got to get away from that. You know, when we, you know, a lot of kids want to play hockey. They say, I want to be as good as Wayne Gretzky. First, the young kids don't think about it, you know, that also when you be good, the money is a, is a byproduct, right? And I wish, you know, if there would be 100 francs tronics, there would be absolutely no unemployment in Canada. And now one of the great worries I have is, and the well-being of a nation can be easily gauged. A country which imports more and more and exports less and less, there the economy will break down. So I, I, uh, uh, the system isn't right. The system is wrong. You know, if you want to be competitive, you got to look at, you know, your, at your own, if things don't work, might have been your personal life, might have been business, might have been the country, you should know you got a problem. If you don't know you got a problem, you really got a problem. We have major problems. One, uh, if I would list the priorities, would be we need government reform. We do not understand as a people that governments are the management team of a country. And unfortunately, and I don't mean that in a cynical way. My daughter was a politician, and I know her heart was in the right place. So, but the, but the fact is that the mandate of a politician is to be, ele- to be elected or re-elected. That's a fact. So that means also that the country is managed by political reasons instead of socioeconomic reasons. So we got to take a look at government reform. This doesn't, you cannot have a political group have the total say how the country is run. Okay, it doesn't work. Secondly, I think we're going to need school reforms. Who's teaching the teachers? We got to have in the schools, there must be nutrition, should be very, very top on the line. For the simple reason, if we don't teach it there, and I'm not saying all the way through, but maybe up to grade five, that how important nutrition is because 
we, we cannot pay anymore for the health care, right? It's the service is, is, is going to get less and less, and uh, the waiting times get longer. So you want to have kids when they come home in the fifth grade or one and say, Mom, don't, don't, uh, don't cook the French fries or don't cook that greasy stuff or whatever, right? So we gotta, we gotta set in, uh, we got to set it in their minds. We also got to set it in their minds is how important business is. If business doesn't function, if business doesn't make a profit, then a business is a liability to the country. So we got to teach in the young schools because a lot of teachers, uh, you know, teach like uh, some socialistic philosophies. They say, you know, if a, if a business makes a profit, they got to take advantage of somebody. Otherwise, they couldn't make a profit. So we got to get it in the mindset of young people, young Canadians, how important the business is. When we say how important it is to make a profit, naturally we understand within the laws and with, you know, might it be safety, environment, etc., etc. So that is very important. Another, uh, another aspect which I think is crucial and one of the key elements of the well-being of a nation is the tax system. To me, a tax system should be black and white. No ifs or buts. Uh, a high school student graduating, you know, finishing high school should understand to fill out a tax return for a small company or a larger company. Because right now, you know, uh, I think I'm reasonable intelligent. Sometimes when I go to my CFO and I say, look, we have such and such business planned. What about the taxes? What tax implication? Well, he said, look, let me think about it. Uh, so the CFO thinks of one or two days, tells me then, hmm, Frank, uh, I'm not quite sure. I, I can't, I can make out of it. Then he said, there's a specialist in the city. Uh, uh, so uh, you, go to the, you go to a specialist. After one or two weeks, you get a big bill, and they said it could be, it could be like this or like that. <laughs> that is no way to run a country. If you have a company and the people on the lowest level don't understand what are the rules and the philosophy of the, of the, of the company, something is wrong. So I think this is fundamental so, that we, it, so it should be clear cut. And over and above, I will put in, in the tax system, Canadian companies which share their profits with the workers and invest at least half of their profits in Canada would pay less taxes. Because that means job. The answer isn't that we take all our profits and move to China and build and, and ship things there. Because there's very, very few factories you see now which make things. It's all warehouses. So uh, that is... Again, that's so fundamental. Another point I really want to get across is our healthcare system doesn't function anymore. It's like a scissor, right? The costs go up, the service gets down. I think we could have a two-tier system. I think we should allow also private healthcare. But the very key would be if somebody wants to put a private healthcare and wants to invest all the thing for hospital beds, for machinery, etc. Government said, "Look, that's your problem. 
If you want to be in a private, you've got to pay for that. But we expect you, Mr. Businessman or hospital or clinic operator, that, it, that you at least between 30 or 50%, you also got to service the public at the public rates. You know what that would mean to this country? We would have many health care providers uh, you know, spring up, and, and you would have investments, people who buy the equipment, etc. So it would be an enormous win-win-win for the whole country. So uh, that's basically the concerns I have. Basically, I guess I'm running out of time, too. But let me give me one practical example on the meltdown. Uh, or if governments are not well run, too much overhead, too much. Take Greece, for an example. Things are so bad there because the country has neglected to, you know, to, uh, to, to go down the basics, overhead, overhead. And uh, in the final analysis, governments can't give you anything unless they take it away from you first. In that process, they may be waste 80%. But the sad part about it is, when you take a look at Greece, that it will take them generations that they will come out of it. That's the very sad part about it. The difference between people is, you know, nature is, uh, the, the force of nature, the laws of nature, they're much stronger than in any man-made law. And from time to time, we have a forest fire. The forest burns down. A new growth will, will come again. But we in society, we should not, we should not uh, should let those things happen to people. Thereby, we should have some foresight to prevent that. Uh, to, to, to have a... I, 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 I think... We, we, uh, if we do the right things, government reforms, tax reform, school reform, uh, health care reform, I think we could avoid that. But it's difficult sometimes to make changes because the fridges are still full with food, you know, in a lot of countries, even in Canada. People are complacent. Nobody speaks out. But... We still have a high living standard because governments print money like crazy. And it's unavoidable. It will come. If we don't change, the next meltdown will be a lot stronger than what you have seen. That would be chicken stuff, what you have seen in Kuwait. So uh, the whole purpose, I don't do many speaking engagement. I wanted to sort of provoke the minds of people that everybody has to a certain extent, especially business, a responsibility to say, look, because that's so obvious that we remind people that we got to do something. So anyway, I hope I provoked your mind, and thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Stronach. Uh, folks, Mr. Stronach has uh, graciously agreed to take your questions, so if you have one, please raise your hand. We have uh, uh, someone with a microphone on that side and someone with a microphone over here. Mr. Stronach, first question from the right. 
was just a head scratch. There's no press here. <laughs> That's your chance to write a true story. <laughs> Frank, uh, you're talking about revolution. You're talk there's revolution happening all over the world. Some of those revolutions started in obscure places. Where, where do we start? Some of us feel helpless. The one thing, we're civilized. Canada is such a great country. Uh, people are so civilized here. Yes, I would like to start a revolution, but not a destructive revolution. You know, we've burned things down. A revolution of the mind. That's the difference. Okay, sometimes we've got a dictatorship. The revolution of the mind, it wouldn't go far. So it's unfortunate that you have places in the world like that. But we in Canada, I think if we bring the right thoughts forward, I think people will accept it. Thank you. Who else has a question? This is a rare opportunity. So there's someone coming with a microphone. Right there. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Stronach, you came here as an immigrant at a young age. You look around the room here today, there's also a number of immigrants in this room. What's your take on you know, the roles that the immigrants could play in helping with this uh, change that the Canadian government or that Canada needs to go through? Well, number one, immigrants uh, should learn the language that they will understand the language very well. Then, uh, number two, they have to be Canadians. They should adopt to the Canadian customs. If they want to do their own religion, it's so fine. We, Canada is very tolerant, do it in your own churches, etc., etc. But there's a lot of reasons why people want to come to Canada. I don't think uh, that many people want to go. Uh, you can count a few countries where people want to come. It's... Uh, Canada, the United States, maybe Australia, and that's just about it. So the key is, uh, the key is to uh, be a good Canadian, and uh, when you be a good Canadian and to express yourself in a cultivated way, uh, you know, f uh, then I think you, uh, you people, if it makes a lot of sense, uh, people might adopt some of the thing, and if more and more people think the same way, then it will filter up but filter down to governments. Mr. Stronach, some years ago you had some interesting ideas on reform of the Senate. I wonder if you've given up your quest for that reform. The reason I ask is the current Prime Minister seems to be interested in doing something with the Senate. Do you still have ideas in that regard? Do you still have interests? I'm full of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, the, the Senate we know, that's patronage. And you put another layer of the same color, right? And it, it doesn't... What, when I would look down the road... And keep in mind, I'm never saying whatever idea I expressed, that's the only idea. I, again, it's provoking the minds, and I hope people think, and maybe people come up with better ideas. But the key is that we have to uh, kick ideas around and bring it, uh, you know, get it spread under the public. And if you talk enough about it, you will come. Some great idea will develop from that. I would see, 
is uh, we have uh, mankind is very innovative. Man has the capability to put mankind on a higher plateau, but also mankind's got the ability by default to track people down. And so uh, I could visualize, let's say, uh, that the regions are... Uh, the country is broken up in regions, and the computer, for instance, would pick out 20 names in a region. And the key would be, you got to be a Canadian, and you would be willing to be a people's representative. So you have a portion, uh, let's say maybe half the size of the, of the, of the, of the member of parliaments, uh, and they would be people's representative. And, and the, the you wouldn't change anything. The body with the most seats would form the government. But what you want to do is you want to have the, the opposition part of the solution, not part of the problem. So the government uh, f- brings forward legislation and th- the opposition also would have to bring forward legislation. And they have to go then to the people's representative. Look, vote for us. We think we have a better, a better concept. And the people's representative, they would vote in secret, so there wouldn't be a reward, neither would there be punishment. And you would add the votes to the, to the politicians and whoever, you know, if it could be that the government will not get the majority on the thing. So the government then is a deci- uh, can decide then would they adopt the ideas of the opposition or step back for new to election. That would be one, right? But hopefully there's others. The fact still is that you cannot let politicians alone run a country. I surely would not have them run my business if it's only politicians. Mr. Stronach, um, it's a good time for this question, which is that uh, one might observe that there are many politicians who are happy to be in business. There are very few in business who are willing to be in politics. Why is that, and how do we change that? Well, first of all, uh, it's a dangler. It's... It's the way it is when you look at Parliament. It's a, it's a theater. There's no respect. You know, things get away from... Uh, uh, so uh, uh, you, you get a lot of abuse. You get, you get paid very little and get a lot of abuse. And so uh, a lot of Canadians say, who needs that? But that's wrong. We need capable, we need capable businessmen in, in politics. But again, it's got to be, there should be a certain conduct. You know, that you, uh, you know, the name calling or the way that sometimes, I, I think it's, it's a disgrace. Uh, Mr. Stronach, over here. Right. Right. I just want to follow up on that question and ask you, you said you had a lot of ideas, but apparently politics isn't very appealing for business people. What are, you, with all these ideas that you have, how are you, are you doing anything or do you have plans to kind of bring them to fruition or get politicians' attention with some of these ideas? Well, I do have plans sometimes, uh, you know, like Cassandra, sometimes you've got to have the best ideas if you don't get it to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to people, then the best idea wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be uh, much of help, so... I, uh, I try to, and that's why I accepted a speaking engagement here to provoke, and, and hopefully, hopefully people uh, would see it the same way. Because look, every farmer, every tax, every worker knows 
the, the system, there's something wrong. And they all know, they all feel it in their bones that a major blow-up will be coming again. Okay? So the question is, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 will have a, I'll set myself a top priority. How do I get those ideas to the public? Okay? Thank you. Thank you very much. My name is Dwayne Matthews. You mentioned a little bit about pension and you mentioned about entrepreneurship. One of the concerns that I have is that there is a large proportion of people that are retiring. And what are some of the things that you may be able to suggest that will strive or, or, or set up entrepreneurship in Canada? Well, it's the easiest for an entrepreneur is go to a, go to a big department store and see what you could. And when you, when you look at things, all you have to think, can I make it a little better? And most of all, first of all, when you go to a department store, maybe 80% or 90% of the products are made someplace else anyway. So you, you just, uh, you got to be thinking about it. You know, when you use something, you say, God damn it, that breaks here, or it's not, not handy. Uh, you know, uh, think about it, get, get, uh, get somebody, get some other people involved and say, let's do something. Because most people, when they be around the 60, 65, those are teenagers who are already gone in pension. <laughs> okay. Again, thank you very much, and I hope I haven't anybody offended about the Canadian Club to the Seal. Okay, thank you. No offense taken. Uh, at this point, I'd like to uh, welcome Amanda Lang, Vice President of the Canadian Club, to the podium. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Stronach, we often talk about uh, old Canadians and new Canadians, and I think today you've actually given us a better phrase uh, when you say be a good Canadian, because we have a lot to learn from people like you who chose this country as an adult and who made such an indelible mark upon it uh, from that first parts order in 1959 to a company that now employs 100,000 people with $25 billion in sales and you don't stop there. We're waiting to see what happens with your electric car unit from a man who continues to invent ideas and ways to use his brain for the betterment of all of us. I would just say I hope that we have as many good Canadians out there as you represent and embody today. Thank you for your time. Mr. One more acknowledgement before, thank you, Amanda. One more acknowledgement before we wrap. As I scanned the audience, I, I uh, realized an omission. I failed to recognize the, uh, one of our guests, the Right Honorable John Turner, who's uh, in the audience today. Uh, Mr. Turner, welcome. So, folks, this concludes our television programming which has been broadcast uh, on Rogers, will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. I'd like to thank uh, the Scotiabank Group for their uh, support. I'd like to thank Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian Club events. I'd like to welcome all of you, if you want to learn more about the Canadian Club or purchase tickets to our events, to visit www.canadianclub.org. 
Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. This meeting is now adjourned. <laughs>